Yeah, welcome to the Anti-Social Rejects Podcast. And this is your boy Dave, man. I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. We made it to episode three. We made it. We made it. We friggin' made it. So, uh, let me first first of all start off by saying uh, I think we're on uh, Spotify, Google Play, a uh, couple other places, but I'll let you know or whatever. But I'm just glad that, you know, it hey, is is out there, you know. So, if you're listening on Spotify, thank you. If you're listening on, on Google Play, thank you or whatever, you know. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate it, you know. Every listener counts. Every play counts. Hey, it's all love. So, it's been interesting or whatever, you know, because, you know, we're in a pandemic or whatever. And, you know, most of the time, you know, I'm under quarantine. So, ain't ain't much I can really do or anywhere I can really go. So, that's one thing for sure, you know, which is very interesting. And, you know, th- which got me thinking, you know, while we're under quarantine, you know, it ain't much we can really do. Like, for the most part, like, for myself, you know, I've done, like, some grilling and barbecue, grilled a little bit, you know, which is, that's normal, you know. But, you know, I, I, I sat down and, you know, I said to myself, what's one thing I don't know how to do that would be interesting as hell to do? And uh, I made ice cream, like, homemade ice cream from scratch, you know, like, old school with it you know meaning you get the milk you get you know the sugar the vanilla whatever flavor you want to use or whatever and the cream and you whip it all together you know and then you put it in a you you put it in a, um an ice cream machine and you just let it blend mix for hours and hours until it gets nice and until it gets that creamy texture and then you put it in um refrigerator and let it chill for like maybe five six hours and it comes out and for my first try i did pretty good you know it actually tastes like soft serve ice cream that i would either buy from wendy's or mcdonald's which was interesting to me you know i was like damn you know it, it was that simple you know we we spend you know millions and millions of dollars to make this sweet confectionery treat and I figured it out within five minutes you know having a machine putting everything together mixing it and voila I, I had it I was like okay that damn that's what's up so you know I, you know that's one of the things I've been learning you know I've been doing some reading and whatnot practicing my you know my photo editing skills because a lot of times you know you not you might not be getting gigs or whatever you know or, f- or doing anything but you do gotta stay how can i say stay ready if you, ain't, you, you how can you be ready if you don't stay ready you know so what i do i practice from time to time i'll take a photo and i edit or i chop it up and make it look at all night make make it look nice or whatever well, i take some photos of my kids which i did you know or whatever for my son's birthday you know he was like Dad, 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 I'm like, yeah, what's up? He's like, hey, you got to take a picture with me and all my, you know, with my stuff or whatever. I'm like, shit, that's what's up. Shit, all right, give me the camera. Let, let's go outside, take a couple of pictures or whatever, and and we'll go from there. And that's what we did, you know. And, you know, 
it meant the world to him. You know, he was happy, like, right? He was like, that That was his the best birthday ever. I was like, damn, you know, bro, I done took you to Dolphin Games year after year, you know? And staying at home was – and my original plan was to go to um Six Flags or whatever, you know, because my sister stays in Austell, Georgia now, you know, which is right down the street. And I was like, you know what? Let me – go there you know and just let him just run free for the day and have fun you know just me him and maybe a couple of my nephews or whatever you know but yeah man it it was great it was great now let's get down to business you know as what's going on with the world how, how it goes per se you know and one thing I want to talk about is um, the recent, you know, Democratic nomin VP pick, you know, Kamala Harris. You know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna say this and I'll say this to everybody. You know, like for love love a hater, you you have to look at the bigger look at the bigger picture. You know, it's not like we can sit here and say. Oh, you know, well, she 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 was a prosecutor. She prosecuted all these black men or whatever, whatnot, you know. But you know, and and I get that. And there, and then you got women on the other side. They're happy because it's a black woman, you know. A black woman has a chance of being vice president of the United States of America. You know, we already came out of a came out of you know what I'm saying out of having a black president and a black first lady in Barack and Michelle Obama, you know, now we have a chance to have a black VP, which is to me in my book, it, it, it's good. It's a good look or whatever, you know, or whatnot. I, I don't know much about her other than what's in the media or whatever, you know, but in the days and coming weeks, I'll do a little research on her, you know, and read up on her or whatnot. You know, because I told I don't believe in like supporting people just because they're black or whatever. But right now, I think and I'll say this, America is at a crossroads, depending on what side side you're on. You know, right now we have a guy that I I don't want to say that's like a, a whoremonger or something like that. But basically what he is. He's narcissistic, egotistical, you know, you know, and he's not good for America at all. You, you know, it's like America called it STD and the STD is Donald Trump. You know, it gives you a bad itch every every time you it, it, or whatever, you know, you get around it, you know, you get a bad itch. You know, America is infected. By the by, by the plague that is Donald Trump, and you know, and it might sound crazy, but I, you know, it it doesn't matter who's the Democratic nominee right now, you know. Really, Joe Biden doesn't really have to say much about Trump, you know, because like it is it, it's a scary thing when the record speaks for for itself. Just look, we're in a pandemic. 
30 million people are jobless. You know? Think about it. You know, but that 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 right there alone, that should tell you something, you know? But, you know, one thing I saw and it was real interesting was and out of nowhere is Cat Williams. Now, we, you know, in the past, we've known Cat to be a little eagle, I want to say egocentric and off the wall, you know. But late, whenever he gets this opportunity, he comes to, and he's very wise if you listen, you know. And and recently in this, I think I think is this partnership with with Supreme or whatever that he's doing. He basically does a stand up, a five minute stand up bit. No audience, just a stage, a mic, and him. Now, if you see the video on YouTube or wherever, please understand. I don't know what he got going on with the six nine lace front or whatever, but hey, it is what it is. You feel me? It got your attention, but the message really caught my attention. So, with that being said, I'm gonna let you listen to it, and y'all could. Know what I'm saying? Vibe, just give me your, just comment and give me your idea or what you think or whatever. And hey, we can have a discussion about it. But other than that, man, it great message, great message. Okay, you're good to go, sir. All right, man, I can still hear the audience right now. Yep. I'm a man of the people. I have to deliver to the people no matter what the circumstances are. Thank you, everyone, and no one. Ladies and gentlemen, Cat Williams. Crickets, crickets, crickets. Woo! Uh, that might not have looked like a lot to y'all, but that was a comedian's version of hell right there. But it's a new day. And we don't know if we're going to make it through the circumstances we're being faced with. But if it doesn't fit, it ain't shit. And things in this world are starting to not fit. Right now, we have a perfectly suitable clown running the free world. We got a guy whose advice included things that no decent crackhead would tell you to do with a gunshot wound. The man said, if you have bleach, rub it on yourself. Sprinkle something in your eye. If you see any UV lighting, walk in front of it. But these are serious times. The president's a clown. Who gonna say something that makes sense? As for me and my household, I will. If you need me to say something dumb real slow so you can get it, I'll do that. Watch how it goes. Gravity is real. Huh, wasn't that simple? You notice how people didn't start hollering? Well, uh, well, bananas matter too. Nope, not the time for that. Let's stick on facts. Black lives matter, period. You can say it, you're at home, say it. Wherever you are, no matter who's around, just say it. Say it because it's a fact. 
I want to apologize if some people have seen civil unrest and didn't understand that civil unrest is what happens every time a place is ruled by the people and the people's needs are not being met. Might not be the happy truth you want, but we deserve the truth. Even one of the greatest cities in the world, New York, a place that's got 100,000 magnificent landmarks. Even they have deep, dark secrets. They got an island in New York called Heart Island. It's where the unclaimed dead bodies go. Now, you think I'm talking about in the past, don't you? No, no. No, no, no. Today. That's what this island is for. It's for death and despair. They got mental institutions and all type of things. I ain't never been there. I don't know the recipe. I'm just saying some of y'all thought you only had two choices just like this election. You thought your choices was heaven or hell. No, you got another choice. Hard Island, baby. Purgatory, limbo. It's where you go when ain't nobody claiming you. You just died and everybody said, you know what would save a funeral? And while that might be unpleasant for some, it's the truth. This is not the first time a great city like New York has been going through this, and this is not the first time that a great country like this has been going through what we're going through. This is not close to the first pandemic. The last pandemic happened in the 90s. It was called AIDS. That's what filled up Hart Island last time, and here we are again. It's the airborne virus, folks. If you breathe air, put on a mask. And because we can all agree that breathing is important, we can all agree that you putting your knee on a man's neck for eight minutes is just murder. Just televised murder. So now there must be a reaction for that. I'm not going to hide in a bunker. I'm on the front line with you. For 20 years, I told you, the police is out there hurting people. And y'all didn't want to believe me. Y'all just said, can't keep getting in trouble. The whole time, I was just glad I made it out alive. And finally, the chickens have come to roost. We are going to get rid of racism this time, once and for all, no matter what has to happen, folks. It only must be identified and then worked on. I have no right to tell people to vote. But I will tell you that even if your choices were as dumb as hickory, dickory, and dock, even if those were your only choices, I would ask you to make a choice. And if you can't make a choice, go on and put my name on there. It ain't going to count for nothing considering current legal situations I may or may not find myself in. But I appreciate your vote. It's time to make changes, folks. You can make them there at your own home. Thank you all. Have a good day. Be kind to your neighbors. If you see a sign that says Black Lives Matter, say out loud, white friends. Hmm. Sure do. Watch how quickly things start to change in the country. White people, if you're scared about Negroes, I'd like to remind you of something. That anger and that rage that you think will one day be unleashed upon white families. You've been waiting on it for 400 years. We're better people than that. I know what you heard. Thugs, animals, monsters. Nope, better people than that.
Not only can we do better, we want to do better, we are doing better. And you're free to join us. Anyway, it's been a pleasure to be here. Uh, I kept most of the jokes in quarantine in case you were looking for some laughs. If you got some information out of it, I appreciate that. I have already done more than an elected official. I thank you and good night. Man, it's crazy, man, because I, as I'm listening to this clip or whatever, I, you know, I just took a minute and I looked on Wikipedia and I, I you know, I, I looked up Hearts Island, you know, and basically what from what I'm reading on Wikipedia is this Heart Hearts Island contains 131 acre um cemetery, the largest funded cemetery named Potter's Field or whatever. And at the time. What they were doing is they were bury still like stillborn borns, abortions, and stuff there at that island or whatever, you know. And basically, the way they did it was the dead were buried in the trenches. Babies are placed in coffins, which are stacked up in groups of a hundred, measuring five coffins deep, usually in twenty rolls. Adults are placed in in larger pine boxes according to size and are stacked in sections of 150 it's crazy you know because you think about it right now these times or whatever during this pandemic and it's like oh man so what happens to the unclaimed you know unclaimed bodies or whatever and then here's the crazy part you know they have inmates from Rikers Island Jail or whatever are paid fifty cents per hour to bury bodies on Heart Island. So it's it's crazy, you know, when you think about it. Let's say if you incarcerated at Rikers Island and they have you actually, you know, like buried there or whatever, you know, for quite some time or whatever. And they eventually they have to go back and get your body to through and the process, I can only imagine how long it is because you think about it, this is an unidentified body and now it's just been mass buried amongst people. But you think about it, you know, just just thinking about it. It's something, you know, you really want to be like, damn, you know. So those people just get thrown away. And on top of that, they're incarcerated, you know. They get a glimpse into their future if they don't fly right, which is crazy, you know, or whatever. But, yeah, it's crazy because we're in the midst of election season and things like this are are not often brought up, you know. But just to shift gears back to the election season, I just want to kind of like mention the Democratic National Convention that started. And one of the keynote speakers that caught my interest was Michelle Obama. You know, like for quite some time, you know, we had this antiquated hope that she would be the VP nominee or even run, which I was like, no, that's not realistic. You know, 
even though we we all love and adore her because she's the first african-american first lady of the white house and there'll never be another first you know like that again for a while you know it'd be it'd never be a first let's just keep it that way you know but it's just every time she speaks publicly it speaks volumes you know and the clip i'm going to play was basically her speech or whatnot and um you know i i hope people take kind to it and also i'm gonna play a little bit of um i want to i want to jack kennedy jfk's grandson and we all know how important it is that that every time somebody from this family speaks that we all listen but it's amazing to know that the next generation is kind of getting involved in politics so we i think this is going to be a good convention and I hope this gets to, you know, everything kicks off the march to November, per se. You know, so check it out. Good evening, everyone. It's a hard time, and everyone's feeling it in different ways. And I know a lot of folks are reluctant to tune into a political convention right now or to politics in general. Believe me, I get that. But I am here tonight because I love this country with all my heart. And it pains me to see so many people hurting. I've met so many of you. I've heard your stories. And through you, I have seen this country's promise. And thanks to so many who came before me, thanks to their toil and sweat and blood, I've been able to live that promise myself. That's the story of America. All those folks who sacrificed and overcame so much in their own times because they wanted something more, something better for their kids. There's a lot of beauty in that story. There's a lot of pain in it, too. A lot of struggle and injustice and work left to do. And who we choose as our president in this election will determine whether or not we honor that struggle and chip away at that injustice and keep alive the very possibility of finishing that work. I am one of a handful of people living today who have seen firsthand the immense weight and awesome power of the presidency. And let me once again tell you this, the job is hard. It requires clear-headed judgment, a mastery of complex and competing issues, a devotion to facts and history, a moral compass, and an ability to listen, and an abiding belief that each of the 330 million lives in this country has meaning and worth. A president's words have the power to move markets. They can start wars or broker peace. They can summon our better angels or awaken our worst instincts. You simply cannot fake your way through this job. As I've said before, being president doesn't change who you are. It reveals who you are. Well, a presidential election 
can reveal who we are too. And four years ago, too many people chose to believe that their votes didn't matter. Maybe they were fed up. Maybe they thought the outcome wouldn't be close. Maybe the barriers felt too steep, whatever the reason. In the end, those choices sent someone to the Oval Office who lost the national popular vote by nearly three million votes. In one of the states that determined the outcome, the winning margin averaged out to just two votes per precinct. Two votes. And we've all been living with the consequences. When my husband left office with Joe Biden at his side, we had a record-breaking stretch of job creation. We'd secured the right to health care for 20 million people. We were respected around the world, rallying our allies to confront climate change. And our leaders had worked hand-in-hand hand with scientists to help prevent an Ebola outbreak from becoming a global pandemic. Four years later, the state of this nation is very different. More than 150,000 people have died and our economy is in shambles because of a virus that this president downplayed for too long. It has left millions of people jobless. Too many have lost their health care. Too many are struggling to take care of basic necessities like food and rent. Too many communities have been left in the lurch to grapple with whether and how to open our schools safely. Internationally, we've turned our back, not just on agreements forged by my husband, but on alliances championed by presidents like Reagan and Eisenhower. And here at home, as George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and a never-ending list of innocent people of color continue to be murdered, stating the simple fact that a black life matters is still met with derision from the nation's highest office. Because whenever we look to this White House for some leadership or consolation or any semblance of steadiness, what we get instead is chaos, division, and a total and utter lack of empathy. Empathy, that's something I've been thinking a lot about lately. The ability to walk in someone else's shoes. The recognition that someone else's experience has value too. Most of us practice this without a second thought. If we see someone suffering or struggling, we don't stand in judgment, we reach out. Because there, but for the grace of God, go I. It is not a hard concept to grasp. It's what we teach our children Unlike so many of you, Barack and I have tried our best to instill in our girls a strong moral foundation to carry forward the values that our parents and grandparents poured into us. But right now, kids in this country are seeing what happens when we stop requiring empathy of one another. They're looking around wondering if we've been lying to them this whole time about who we are and what we truly value. 
They see people shouting in grocery stores, unwilling to wear a mask to keep us all safe. They see people calling the police on folks minding their own business just because of the color of their skin. They see an entitlement that says only certain people belong here. That greed is good and winning is everything because as long as you come out on top, it doesn't matter what happens to everyone else. And they see what happens when that lack of empathy is ginned up into outright disdain. They see our leaders labeling fellow citizens enemies of the state while emboldening torch-bearing white supremacists. They watch in horror as children are torn from their families and thrown into cages and pepper spray and rubber bullets are used on peaceful protesters for a photo op. Sadly, this is the America that is on display for the next generation. A nation that's underperforming not simply on matters of policy, but on matters of character. And that's not just disappointing, it's downright infuriating. Because I know the goodness and the grace that is out there in households and neighborhoods all across this nation. And I know that regardless of our race, age, religion, or politics, when we close out the noise and the fear and truly open our hearts, we know that what's going on in this country is just not right. This is not who we want to be. So what do we do now? What's our strategy? Over the past four years, a lot of people have asked me, when others are going so low, does going high still really work? My answer, going high is the only thing that works. Because when we go low, when we use those same tactics of degrading and dehumanizing others, we just become part of the ugly noise that's drowning out everything else. We degrade ourselves. We degrade the very causes for which we fight. But let's be clear. Going high does not mean putting on a smile and saying nice things when confronted by viciousness and cruelty. Going high means taking the harder path. It means scraping and clawing our way to that mountaintop. Going high means standing fierce against hatred while remembering that we are one nation under God. And if we want to survive, we've got to find a way to live together and work together across our differences. And going high means unlocking the shackles of lies and mistrust with the only thing that can truly set us free, the cold hard truth. So let me be as honest and clear as I possibly can. Donald Trump is the wrong president for our country. He has had more than enough time to prove that he can do the job, but he is clearly in over his head. He cannot meet this moment. He simply cannot be who we need him to be for us. It is what it is. Now, I understand that my message won't be heard by some people. 
we live in a nation that is deeply divided, and I am a black woman speaking at the Democratic Convention, but enough of you know me by now. You know that I tell you exactly what I'm feeling. You know I hate politics, but you also know that I care about this nation. You know how much I care about all of our children. So if you take one thing from my words tonight, it is this. If you think things cannot possibly get worse, trust me, they can and they will if we don't make a change in this election. If we have any hope of ending this chaos, we have got to vote for Joe Biden like our lives depend on it. I know Joe. He is a profoundly decent man guided by faith. He was a terrific vice president. He knows what it takes to rescue an economy, beat back a pandemic, and lead our country. And he listens. He will tell the truth and trust science. He will make smart plans and manage a good team. And he will govern as someone who's lived a life that the rest of us can recognize. When he was a kid, Joe's father lost his job. When he was a young senator, Joe lost his wife and his baby daughter. And when he was vice president, he lost his beloved son. So Joe knows the anguish of sitting at a table with an empty chair, which is why he gives his time so freely to grieving parents. Joe knows what it's like to struggle, which is why he gives his personal phone number to kids overcoming a stutter of their own. His life is a testament to getting back up. And he is going to channel that same grit and passion to pick us all up, to help us heal and guide us forward. Now, Joe is not perfect, and he'd be the first to tell you that. But there is no perfect candidate, no perfect president. And his ability to learn and grow we find in that the kind of humility and maturity that so many of us yearn for right now. Because Joe Biden has served this nation his entire life without ever losing sight of who he is. But more than that, he has never lost sight of who we are, all of us. Joe Biden wants all of our kids to go to a good school, see a doctor when they're sick, live on a healthy planet. And he's got plans to make all of that happen. Joe Biden wants all of our kids, no matter what they look like, to be able to walk out the door without worrying about being harassed or arrested or killed. He wants all of our kids to be able to go to a movie or a math class without being afraid of getting shot. He wants all our kids to grow up with leaders who won't just serve themselves and their wealthy peers, but will provide a safety net for people facing hard times. And if we want a chance to pursue any of these goals, any of these most basic requirements for a functioning society, we have to vote for Joe Biden in numbers that cannot be ignored. Because right now, 
Folks who know they cannot win fair and square at the ballot box are doing everything they can to stop us from voting. They're closing down polling places in minority neighborhoods. They're purging voter rolls. They're sending people out to intimidate voters, and they're lying about the security of our ballots. These tactics are not new. But this is not the time to withhold our votes in protest or play games with candidates who have no chance of winning. We have got to vote like we did in 2008 and 2012. We've got to show up with the same level of passion and hope for Joe Biden. We've got to vote early, in person if we can. We've got to request our mail-in ballots right now, tonight, and send them back immediately and follow up to make sure they're received and then make sure our friends and families do the same. We have got to grab our comfortable shoes, put on our masks, pack a brown bag, dinner, and maybe breakfast too, because we've got to be willing to stand in line all night if we have to. Look, we have already sacrificed so much this year. So many of you are already going that extra mile. Even when you're exhausted, you're mustering up unimaginable courage to put on those scrubs and give our loved ones a fighting chance. Even when you're anxious, you're delivering those packages, stocking those shelves, and doing all that essential work so that all of us can keep moving forward. Even when it all feels so overwhelming, Working parents are somehow piecing it all together without childcare. Teachers are getting creative so that our kids can still learn and grow. Our young people are desperately fighting to pursue their dreams. And when the horrors of systemic racism shook our country and our consciences, millions of Americans of every age, every background rose up to march for each other crying out for justice and progress. This is who we still are. Compassionate, resilient, decent people whose fortunes are bound up with one another. And it is well past time for our leaders to once again reflect our truth. So it is up to us to add our voices and our votes to the chorus of history, echoing heroes like John Lewis who said, when you see something that is not right, you must say something, you must do something. That is the truest form of empathy, not just feeling, but doing, not just for ourselves or our kids, but for everyone for all our kids. And if we wanna keep the possibility of progress alive in our time, if we wanna be able to look our children in the eye after this election, we have got to reassert our place in American history. And we have got to do everything we can to elect my friend Joe Biden as the next president of the United States. Thank you all, God bless. Now, I want to close it out with this. For everybody 
that doesn't vote is a vote for Trump. Plain and simple. You know, I'm I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Because for every person that that doesn't go out and vote, five will go vote for him. You know? Just on that. You know? We can go through the list of names for like George Floyd, Breonna Taylor and such. So on, so on, you know? But understand, you're voting because they can't. They're not here. You know? You're voting against racism, bigotry, things of that nature. You're voting to say enough is enough and that we will no longer accept failed leadership. That's what you're voting for. You know, so I'm not going to tell you in most cases, I'm not even going to say, A, vote for Biden. But I'm going to tell you, don't vote for Trump. I'm plain and simple. A vote for Trump is a vote for tyranny. It's plain and simple. You know, I, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it, bullshit you, or fuck around about it. You know, at the end of the day, like Kat said, you got a damn joke clown in the White House. You know? And as I said, man, it's basically he's pussyfooting with the country. You know? How many lives do do we have to lose in order for you guys to get it? How many people have to sit at home in fear knowing that they could die of a fucking handshake as I sit here? You know? It gives you a lot to think about, you know? So, till next time, this is your boy Dave. I thank you for listening. Hey, anti social rejects, we out.